Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Well, I hope you guys had a good night. Um, I, I never sleep good first night out of my own bed, but that's just me. I've always been like that. I can't do that. So hopefully, if you didn't sleep good last night, tonight is your night. I'm just speaking positively. Probably won't be, but uh, hopefully it will be. Um, so last night, last night was a little bit heavy. Like we talked about sin, and it was like sin, 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 sin. It's bad. It corrupts. It's like a cancer. It just eats from the inside out. It's got all these negative consequences. Uh, it's, it's the reason for the downfall on the earth today, sin. And then uh, uh, as we read, Paul, remember, remember, Paul is writing this letter to a group of followers of Jesus, to a group of Christians, and, and we, we finished up last night with sin, all this sin, but God. But God. So that's where we're going to pick up this morning, right where we left off last night, to see what God did. So we talk about this, this, this creation tapestry that God created, and it was perfect, and it was flawless, and then man jacked it up because of, because of our sin, and that, and that corrupted that creation tapestry. And uh, as I was thinking through this, now there's this kingdom tapestry that God is creating. But, but the beauty about this is he's able to take corrupt threads, sinful people from that creation tapestry that's now, a, that's now stained with sin, and God is able to pick out a person, a thread from that tapestry and weave it into his kingdom tapestry. We can't do that. We can't, we can't be over here and say, well, God, I want to be over there with you. Because remember last night we said, there's nothing you can do about your sin. You can't, you can't make your sin issue go away. It's not in your power to do so. You're helpless to do anything about your sin problem. But God... And that's where we're picking up this morning, all right? So let's, uh, let's jump into Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5. We'll just jump right in, okay? But God, being rich in mercy. What's mercy? Anybody know what mercy is? I, I have one very confident hand that just went up. You know a hand is confident when it goes, right? I'm picking at you a little bit. What's mercy? Mercy is like forgiveness. Okay, we're on the right track. You're really close. Anybody else? Like, just a little conversation. What's mercy? That was a confident hand. I saw that one. Say that again. Not getting something that you do deserve. I like that. I like that. That was a good one. That's why that hand was like, Poof. she's like, I know that one. So this is the definition that I have for mercy. Compassion or forgiveness, like she said, shown towards someone who it is within one's power to punish or harm. Okay, so like if you're showing mercy to somebody, it's because I have the authority to punish you because you have wronged me and like legally or through whatever means, I have the power to punish you, but you've asked for mercy so I can choose to give it or I can choose to not give it. If I choose to give it, it's mercy. I've shown mercy. Does that make sense? So let's finish this verse. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, remember we talked about that last night, being dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. 
By grace, you have been saved. Not anything that I did on my own. Okay, so we got this sin problem, right? And then, and then Paul is reminding the believers, the Christians in Ephesus, God being rich in mercy, he took care of your sin problem. And, and if you're anything like me, man, if you're wired like me, you think, okay, mercy sounds good. I want mercy. When I do something wrong, I want somebody to forgive me, right? Like, I, I want them to show me mercy. I, I, that's a good thing to do. I'm not always good at showing mercy, but when I'm in the wrong, I want somebody to show me mercy. Can anybody relate to that? You know what I mean? Like, if somebody does you dirty, let's think about this. Somebody does you wrong. You don't immediately default to, I should just show them mercy because that's what God would do. That's what God's done for me. Maybe you can do that. And if you do, you're awesome. I can't do that. Like there's this thing inside of me. Somebody does me wrong. I won't get them back. Not only do I want to get them back, I want to like double it. You know what I mean? Like I, I want to make them miserable. I hate that about me. I wish. I, man, I'm driving down the road. I don't even know. Somebody cuts me off. I don't even know who they are. You know what I want to do? I got two things that I do. I either want to get back around them and hit the brakes. Or if I'm going down the interstate and somebody gets in front of me, I want to pass them and, and, and let them come right up on me. And this is what I do. I hit my little windshield wiper thing and, and juice flies up. Because if you're going down the interstate, it goes back on their car. And then when I see them hit their windshield wiper behind me, I'm like, got them. Won't pass me like, won't cut me off again. That's what I do. I'm just being honest with you. I'm real. I'm, I'm not perfect. But that, that's how I'm wired. So don't cut me off on a daggum interstate. You'll be wiping your windshield, which is great if they don't have any juice of their own because then their windshield's just smeared. And I'm like, I won. I won. So anyway, I'm way off track there. That's not the notes. That was extra for you. But there is something that I thought. But God being rich in mercy, we talk about what mercy is, but check out this next line. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Now let's just be honest. When I read this text, if I, was to, if I was to say, hey, will you stand up and tell me how, how, how God has shown his great love to you? Some of you would be able to hop right up and, 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 maybe, and name several things. And some of you would be like, um, I, I got saved. He forgave me of my sin. Which is awesome, which is big. That's all you got. Or I don't know, what do you mean God showed his great love? How has God shown his great love toward us? I look around the planet and man, it's, we're in shambles. Our country's kind of divided on a lot of different things. The media is fantastic at keeping drama in front of us. Like, when's the last time you turn on the news and you watch the story on the news, you're like, man, I feel better because I watched that. But my dad, my dad, uh, he passed away, but, uh, but his doctor literally said, don't watch the news anymore on any station. You don't need to watch the news anymore. You get too worked up. You know, his doctor's telling him, don't watch the news because that's our world we live in, man. Our world's, our world's messed up. You see drama. You see separation. You see issues going on in your schools. You see it. Maybe, maybe some of you are living with it a little more personally in your homes. And it's just like everywhere I look, people are butting heads. I'm not seeing unity. I'm not seeing, what do you mean this great love that God has, has shown us? I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. What do you mean this, this great love? Tell me about it. If God really loves us, then why is all this bad nonsense happening in the world? We got, I got a phone call from my daughter last night. Well, I, I didn't get a phone call. I got a text. And uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was about at 6 or 6.30, right in that time frame. 
and uh, um, she was hanging out with my mom. My mom was getting her hair done, and they just met there, and they're hanging out. And, and, and uh, she got a text from a friend that uh, I'll give you a little bit of background on this. His, his name's Jordan, and he, uh, I, I got to preface this. I'm probably going to cry just because I'm a crier like I cry. So I hadn't cried yet, but it's probably coming. So uh, he get a text from, uh, from, from her friend Jordan. And Jordan is a kid who uh, has, uh, he, he, he struggles. Um, and, uh, and he's contemplated suicide. And, 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 and multiple, like my daughter runs and my daughter's like, this, she's just a butterfly, man. She's like, whoo, she's all over different groups, different, like she hangs out. She's got a friend group from this high school, a friend group from this high school, a friend group from this high school. A lot of them go to church together. So that's a connection, but she's a social butterfly. So she's got a lot of friends. Well, she's got this friends group from this certain high school. got that high school friend group, group chat going on, you know, the same, you guys know how that, 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 that person is. She's that person. And uh, this one particular guy, his name's Jordan, and, and he, he uh, has had conversations with her as well as with several other people that, uh, you know, he struggled with, with suicidal thoughts. And my daughter had, had made an agreement with him. If you ever seriously consider doing this, you'll talk, you'll call me first and you will have a conversation with me. You promised me that. That's what she said. You promised me that. And he, he made a promise to her and said, I w- I'll do that. I'll do that. Last night at, at six o'clock, she gets a text, and uh, she gets a text. Like three people get personal text, and then there's like this group text that went out, and and the the text that the text that he sent her said this. Man, I told that gummit. Told you I was gonna cry. I'm trying not to. The text that he sent her said this. I know I made a promise to you. And I'm sorry for not keeping that promise, but the pain is just too much. And then he said, <laughs> then he said, Lana, go and be great. I'll be watching you. That was it. And then seconds later, the group text that she's also in gets a text that says, I'm sorry. And that's all it says. So the three people all apparently have the same thought and go to his house. And my daughter was the second one there. Nobody's home. The house is locked up. They're trying to get in the house. The neighbor's coming out like, what are you doing trying to break in the house? They're like, we need to get in here now. Do you, know, do you have a key? Do you know who to call? You, you know, we got to get in here. And, uh, and it took about 10 minutes before an uncle made it over and they got in the house and he, and he shot himself. what sin does, man. So I'm telling you this because some people look at this and go, that's God's fault. God made that happen. God could have prevented that from happening. And it's like, it's like if you, if you sin and it doesn't affect you or, 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 or like, like you cheat on a test you willfully sin. You're not sitting there going, that's God's fault. Because he didn't instill in me all the principles of biology. We don't do that. That'd be foolish, right? We, we have the book. We were supposed to study. We were supposed to learn. The teacher told us what was on the test. We were just lazy and didn't do it. Or you got a lousy teacher. I, 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 that happens too. But the reason 
It's like, it's like if it's that kind of sin, we don't, we don't, it's not, we're not mad at God for that. We get mad at God when something hurts us. So when something hurts us, now it's personal. And now we want to blame somebody. And what, and what the prince that we talked about last night, the prince of this world, Satan, what he has done is deceived us into believing we can default to, you can put that one on God. He could have stopped that. He could have prevented that. When, when in reality, it's just a sin problem that was created by humanity. There were no chemical imbalances. There were no pains so great in God's original creation tapestry. He made us, and we were perfect. We were sinless. We were flawless. We introduced sin into this whole thing. But God, because he loves us, made a way to take care of the sin problem through his son, Jesus. So I read this verse and I'm like, but God being rich in mercy, man, abounding in mercy, willing to show mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that sin separates us from God. The sin, when you sin, it's a stench in the nostrils of God. He despises it. But even though he despises it, he says, I'll clean up your mess. I'll make a way for you to have that sin problem taken care of. And I'm doing it because I love you. Not because I'm arrogant. I'm doing it because I love you. Like that's what motivates God to take care of our sin problem. And because of that, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we were made alive through Christ. And he says this, by grace, you have been saved. By grace, you have been saved. Because of what Jesus did to pay the penalty for my sin, for your sin on the cross, man. I don't know, I don't know a better way to put it, but I'm probably not supposed to use this word. Sin sucks. And somehow, somehow we find ourselves drawn to it. And then we suffer guilt and things afterward. And then sometimes we're able to see it for what it is and go, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not going there. I don't want any part of that. And then sometimes we ignorantly or blindly just walk right into it because we're deceived. And God said, I have made a way to take care of the sin problem, not just in your lives, but the sin problem in the world. I'm going to read this whole verse again. Because it, 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 it kind of flows better when you read it. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, that's verse six. That's a, little, that's a little bit complex, okay? I want to explain something of, of what he's talking about here. When he says that we've been raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, he's talking positionally speaking, not physically speaking. We haven't been raised up. We're not seated in heaven with God, right? We're at RVR. We're seated right here in a physical building called the OTM, the Old Town Meeting House. We get that. We're all sitting here. He's talking positionally. When, when God saves you from your sin 
And there's some people in this room, you have been saved from your sin. There's some people in this room, I don't know everybody in here, but I think it's probably safe to say there's some people in this room, you have not been saved from your sin. God is speaking to people who've been saved from their sin. And he's saying, once you have been saved from your sin, you are positionally seated with God in heaven through Christ Jesus, through what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. So positionally, you are already seated in heaven. You're not there yet. It's kind of like you have, a, you have a king. And like back in the day, you know, you had a king and the firstborn son who was heir to the throne. The firstborn son was the heir to the throne. Positionally, he was to be king when his father passed away. Positionally, we are already seated in heaven. We're not there yet, but it's as good as ours. But it's something you have to grasp if you're a follower of Christ because that should change the way that you and I live from day to day. Positionally, I'm seated, I'm seated with my heavenly father through Christ Jesus. I'm here. This isn't home. Home is, home is my home's in heaven, but I'm here for now. But something we got to understand is something that we have to grasp. You guys know what an ambassador is? A representative, you know what I mean? Like, like if, if you go to a foreign country and you go to the United States embassy in, in another country, in Russia, there's a United States embassy in Russia. There's an American representative. He's the ambassador to Russia for, for America. He's the go-between. Like he, he handles a lot of American issues that might rise up with doing business together and stuff like that. He's a representative of America in another country. It's like God saying, that's what you are here. You're a representative of heaven here on earth. If you're a follower of Christ. It's kind of amazing. It's pretty cool. We're representative of heaven. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why did he do that? Verse 7 tells us, so that in the coming ages... In times to come, when he says coming ages, he's not talking about in five months down the road or five years down the road. He said in the ages to come, in the ages upon ages, in eternity to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Man, I used to think when I was, when I was in middle school and high school, I used to think, man, if I become a follower of Christ, I'm signing up for a set of rules that I don't know if I can handle, that I don't know if I want to handle. It's just a bunch of rules, man. I don't want a bunch of rules. And then one day, it's like a light bulb turned on, and I realized, wait a minute, God has my best interest in mind. If there's a rule, it's there to protect me. It's not there to keep me from enjoying life. It's so that I can enjoy what my creator made for me to enjoy, the immeasurable riches of his kindness and mercy and grace that he's shown us through what Christ did on the cross as we're in Christ. This is, this is future. It doesn't mean that, hey man, if I surrender my, Christ, my life to Christ, if I become a follower of Jesus, a true disciple of Jesus, that everything's gonna be all like, marshmallows and the Lucky Charms and unicorns, and it's just going to be, wee, it's going to be awesome. Everything, I'm not going to have any problems because I got God. He takes care of every one of my problems. I don't have to do anything. God's got me. And while, yes, God, God got you, as I read the scriptures, you're almost signing up for a life of suffering, for a life of persecution, so that, because you're a stranger here, you're an alien here in this life, so that, on the other side, in eternity, 
God will show you the immeasurable riches of his kindness and grace and mercy. You can experience some of that here, absolutely. But you ain't seen nothing yet. I can't imagine a place without shame. I can't imagine a place without pain or suffering or sickness. Why? Because I'm 48 years old and I've lived with it my whole life. I've seen it my whole life. When a daddy's daughter's hurting, daddy's hurting. That's hurting. That's hurting last night. I'm hurting this morning. I want to hug my girl because she's going through some pain right now. She lost a friend. She, she doesn't know how to deal with that. They were the first people in the, in the stinking house to see it. Like, who wants, to, who wants to ever see that? Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to be a part of that. It's what sin did to us. God said, God said, I can take care of the sin. I will take care of the sin. We'll be taken care of. And then he says this in verse 8. He says it to, again, he's talking to believers. By grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Now, if we just look up in the dictionary, grace is defined as courteous goodwill. So it's kind of meaning that it's not asked for, nor is it deserved, but it's freely given. Mercy, on the other hand, it's compassion, like we said earlier, is compassion and kindness shown to someone who it is in one's power to punish or harm. So that's an act that's meant to relieve someone of their suffering. By grace, you've been saved through faith. We didn't ask for it, nor do we deserve it, but we have been given grace. Now, this is what I like to, I, 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 I like to, I like, because some people are like, well, why do I need grace? I'm not all that bad. I know certain people, they're bad. They need some grace. Like some of you got, you know, I remember being in school, like I was kind of a middle of the road kid. Like I wasn't the best student, wasn't the worst student, wasn't the best athlete, wasn't the worst athlete. But what do us middle of the roaders do? We compare ourselves to the bottom of the barrel folks. Well, they're pretty rough. You know, I'm not as good as so-and-so, but they're, they're pretty rough, right? That's what we do. But sin doesn't work like that. Let me put it to you like this. How many times, this is not, not a trick question, how many times you got to steal something to be a thief? One time. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Has anybody in this room ever stolen anything? Come on, be honest, stick your hand up. You ain't never stole nothing. You've never stole anything your entire life. Bro's like, man, I didn't know you were really going to call me out, man. I got my mask on and everything, man. Chill, bro. Yep. All right, let me ask you this. How many, how many of you guys, how about this one? This is going to be fun. How many of you guys this year, we're at church camp now, right? <laughs> RVR, baby. I'm here with my church group. How many of you guys this year have cheated on, cheated on something in school? It's crazy that some of you guys, some of y'all were like, yeah, you got me. And then some of y'all are like, hey, let me bring it back in. How many times, how many times do you have to steal something? Or how many times you got to steal something to be a thief? How many times you got to cheat on something to be a cheater? Just once. Just once. As I look around this room of beautiful young people, some, and some of y'all are beautiful young people. Some of y'all are not so beautiful. 
look, look, I'm bald, man. I get it. I, I, I already told you I'm middle of the road, dude. I, you know, I, I, that's me. I look around this room. You know what we got in this room? A bunch of thieves and cheaters. And some of y'all, man, you can't sit there and call me that. I paid to be here. I didn't sign up for this. I'm not calling you that. I'm saying we're all a bunch of thieves and cheaters. And think about it. Just think about it. Track with me for a second. That's why we need a savior. It doesn't matter if I cheated a thousand times or if I've cheated one time. You cheat once. You're in the same boat with the person who cheats as a lifestyle. You thieve once, you're in the same boat as the person who makes a living thieving. And the list goes on. You can name whatever sin you want. But we're all sinners. And it's by grace that we have been saved. We didn't earn it. We, we needed to be saved from our sin. So I look at this and, 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 and verse, verse 8, you've been, by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. God offers forgiveness for your sin. God offers not only forgiveness, he offers to pay the debt that that sin owes. That's crazy. We're going to talk about that a little bit more tonight. Verse 9, it's not a result of works. Why is it not a result of works? So that no one may boast. Remember what I said? You got this creation tapestry. It's tainted. It's corrupt. There's nothing that you can do to take care of your sin problem. God took care of your sin problem. However, sorry, I just spit. I hope I didn't get you. But what happens, what happens is I get, I get, I get you know, you get rolling. You get like, you know, just, I'm glad you got a mask on. So uh, what happens is, is, is you, uh, you, you got to have your sin debt paid for. But what we tend to do because we're human is like, well, if I can just be good enough, if I, can, if I can do this right and this right and this right, well, surely God would let me into heaven because I'm moral now and I, and, I don't, and I don't cheat anymore or I don't thieve anymore or I don't gossip anymore or I don't lose control of my temper anymore. I've learned to master all those things. So certainly I'm a good enough person now, right? Wrong. False. I see that all the time. People just compare themselves. Well, look at so-and-so. They're a lot worse than I am. Look what they did. I wouldn't dream of doing that. I can see why they would deserve an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. But me, I'm, a, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm not perfect, but I'm doing my best. Let me tell you something. Your best ain't good enough. It's not good enough. That sounds a little bit depressing too until we keep going back to the but God. We got to look at what God did. And that's what, that's what Paul is reminding the church in Ephesus. You got to stay focused on what God has done in your life. It's not a result of works. You can't earn your way to heaven. There's this chasm that divides this, this creation tapestry from God's official kingdom tapestry that is, that, is, that, is, that is being made up of his children, his people, his disciples, his followers, that's, and God is able to take those corrupt pieces and only God can pay the penalty for your sin debt and then God can weave you into his kingdom tapestry. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when you think about it. Let me throw this line at you and then, we're gonna, then, I, then I'm going to tell you a story then we're going to wrap up. If you obey God, check this out. This is crazy. When I read this, it just kind of blew my mind because it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. But it's absolutely true. If you obey God flawlessly, flawlessly for a thousand years, 
You are no more accepted by God than when you very first put your trust and your faith in him for your salvation. Because we're so performance oriented, like our culture is so performance, like we got to be good. We got to do things right. If you, if you perform flawlessly for a thousand years, you are no more loved by God after that thousand years than you were the day that you looked to God and said, I accept your gift of salvation that you offer through your son, Jesus Christ. I need a savior. I'm a sinner. I can't fix my sin problem. Only you can, God. I need you to do it. You're no more loved by God after a thousand years than you are the very second that you believe. That blows my mind. That's crazy. That's amazing. And then Ephesians 2.10 says this. And this is how, this is, remember, remember he's, reminding, he's reminding the believers. Then he says this, for we are his workmanship. When I think of that word workmanship, I think we're handcrafted. We're God's creation. Okay, but we are also his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. We can be mad at God for things that happen in our life. My daughter can choose to be angry and bitter at God because her friend took his life yesterday. She can choose that. She has that choice. We'll have a conversation about this when we get home. We'll talk about this. She can choose to be mad at God. She can choose that. Or she can choose to go, I hate sin. Man, I hate sin. And allow the things of life that have happened to her and that she's endured and been through to mold her to be more like Christ making her more usable. Now, what we all know bad stuff happens in life, right? Bad, th bad stuff happens in life. Sometimes completely out of our control, sometimes completely our fault. God can take both of those scenarios and God can turn sin from the past. God can turn something ugly into something beautiful. I don't believe God ever wastes a hurt, a habit, a hang up, a, God can take something and make something out of it. It's what God does. Let me tell you a story about a dude that I'm done. It's a guy I met. I met him about six months ago. His name's Billy Sparks. Uh, our church, uh, where we're located, we're kind of we're kind of in a rough section of town. Um, it's an older building, and, and it was a, it was our, our church's original location. And then, and then we picked up and moved when the neighborhood started falling apart. It's like a lot of churches did this down south back in the day. Like, hey, let's go to a nicer part of town. And then, and then like, there's no churches in the, in the rundown part of town. And, uh, and we were looking at planting another campus. And the hardest thing about planting another campus is finding a location. And once somebody finally said, hey, we got a location. It's sitting, been sitting empty for the last three years, six years, whatever. We let some other churches rent it and use it and whatever. So we ended up going back into this kind of rundown neighborhood, rundown part of town, and, uh, and we planted a church there, and that's where I'm a campus pastor. So right behind us is, is Warner Robins High School. Right behind us and to the right is like the alternative school for all the, for all the, for the whole county. So if you get in trouble, we call it, it's where the bad kids go. You know what I mean? I, I don't know how y'all school does it, but we got a school where we just say, hey, let's pull all the bad kids out of all the regular schools and put them into one bad kid school so we got them all together and we'll try to just contain the chaos there. I don't know how they think about it, but that's how it is. It's called the Win Academy, and we'll give it a great name. And, uh, and maybe, 
Maybe the bad kids will be like, we're going to be winners at the Win Academy. I don't know. But anyway, that's where we are. So this kid, Billy, well, so what we do at the beginning of the school year is, is our church, we try to feed the teachers in our community. So we got one of high schools literally less than a mile from the house or from the church. Win Academy, literally less than a quarter of a mile. And then there's a couple middle schools. So we just try to go in and be a blessing to the teachers before school starts. The teachers are meeting. We go in there and feed them lunch. We're feeding lunch at one of high school. And uh, we're feeding the teachers just hanging out and just trying to, trying to love on our community a little bit. And, uh, and these two guys walk in. And when they walk in, like the whole the whole, uh, I saw almost said student body, but the teacher body, I don't know what you call it, the whole, all, every teacher in the, in, in, that's in, this, that's in the uh, cafeteria stands up, starts clapping for these two dudes. And I don't, I don't know who they are. I don't go to school there. I don't know, I don't know if they're students. They, don't, they look too old to be students, but they kind of look too young to be teachers. And uh, don't take this wrong, but, but they're African-American, they're black, and black don't crack. And you can't look at a black person that's 26 years old and, th- and go, are you 20, are you 35 or are you... 16, because I can't tell. Like, there's truth to that. I don't know. Anyway, Billy Sparks walks in. I don't, I don't know how old he is. I'm like, so finally, we feed him. We, you know, this one of the teachers said, we got, you know, two extra guys came in. We have enough. Man, we got plenty of food. Send him over. We'll, we'll feed him. No problem. So these guys sit down. I'm like, man, who are you? Like, you walked in here like y'all are rock stars. Man, you walked in the door. The place erupted. And, this, and, and, and both of them, you could tell they were very humble. And, and they were like, Man, we weren't expecting that. Like, we didn't know where, where that came from. And we used to go to school here. We graduated like six years ago. And uh, we just used to go to school here. And, and man, I, I, just, I don't know where that came from. And I, I'm in my mind, man, there's, you're not telling me something. And finally, one of the teachers walks up and says, I got to tell you about these guys. These guys, and then she goes on this whole little story about, about their life. So I get to know this one kid, Billy. I'm going to tell you real quick about him. So Billy, he played football in high school. Coach said, you're not big enough to play in college. But Billy's like, man, I want to go to college. Nobody in his family's ever gone to college. Billy's, Billy's poor. Um, his dad's a drug addict. His mom has been out of the picture. He don't know where mom is in the deal whatsoever right now and hasn't for a long time. And, and Billy was kind of raised himself. Um, and it, but he knew, he's like, man, I, I want to go to college because I want to be able to make something of myself. And he had this drive to go to college, and he loves football. He's not, like, he's not a real big guy, but, uh, but he's not, like, like he's, he's, he's me plus 40 pounds. You know what I mean? So, like, you don't look at that and go, that's, that's, that's college football material right there. You know, like, he's small for, his, for, for somebody that, that, plays, uh, that plays college ball. So, but he's like, man... I kept trying and I kept sending videos and, I, and my, even my head coach was like, Billy, man, you, you don't have the size, man. You're not going to, you're not going to place it. But I just want, and this little school out in California gave him an offer. So he, he moved out to California. He scrounged up all he could to get out to California. I think he took a bus out there to California. He'd never left Warner Robins. He grew up there like that was home. Like he ain't, he ain't, you know, he didn't go on vacation to Florida. He'd never been to the ocean. Homeboy gets on a bus and goes to California. He gets out to California, doesn't have a clue what he's doing about how to check into school. Some of you adults in here, like you're familiar with the term FAFSA. If you're a senior, you might know what FAFSA is. It's something that got to do with your financial aid stuff for college. I got a master's degree. I've been to college. I feel like I'm pretty well educated. I struggle with filling out the FAFSA. So you got this kid who's trying to figure out how to do that. No parents helping him out whatsoever. He had one teacher at Winter Roms High School. She was in his corner. She was going to help any way she could, and she did. So, so Billy's out in California. He's playing football. But check this out. 
you just assume if you get a college scholarship, like, because I, whenever, whenever I hear, hey, hey, man, I got a scholarship to so-and-so, I think full ride, paid for. That ain't always the case. Man, they give out scholarships like candy, but it ain't, don't pay for everything. So Billy's out in California, and, and his scholarship covered his uh, tuition, but it didn't cover his room and board. So he's, he's going to school full-time. He's playing football, which is like having a full-time job. He's trying to handle his grades, and, for, and he had enough money for like two months. After that, Billy was homeless. He was in college, and he was homeless. He said, I lived in a park. I'm like, dude, you got to, I'm like, for real? He said, yeah, I slept under, he said, there's like this little fort thing with this big slide. He's like, that's where I slept. That was my home for a year and a half. I'm like, What? I'm like, look, man, I said, that wouldn't happen in the South. That wouldn't happen in Georgia. Like, if, if people heard that, hey, here's a kid who's working his way through college, he's playing football, but he lives in a slide, somebody would be like, hey, bro, come on, I got you. I got a spot where you can stay. That's just, that, I don't, that's how people are where I'm from. I don't know how people are here. Uh, you know, there's people, there's great people here, generous people here, I'm, I'm positive. But in Cali, apparently, I was like, and I was like, did anybody know? I'm like, did people know? He's like, yeah, my coaches knew, my teammates knew. And he said, my teammates would hook me up. Like, they'd bring me food and stuff. Like, I had buddies that smuggled me food out of the cafeteria, and, and, and I would eat. He said, there's a lot of nights. I just went to bed. I didn't eat nothing because I didn't have anything. I didn't have any money. And Miss, I can't remember the teacher's name. I think it was Miss Jones. He's like, she'd always call me. Billy, how are you doing? And I'd always just tell her, I'm fine. He said, but I wasn't. I wasn't. He said, I was scared. Crazy, you know, crazy stuff happens at night in a park in Cali, everywhere, I guess. And he's telling me this story, and I'm like, what the heck? And, and he said, and that's when, when I asked him, I said, did, it, did they know? He said, yeah, they know. He said, actually, you know, when I, when I graduated, when I finally graduated, and they called my name, the entire student body and teacher, faculty, staff, they all stood up and gave me a standing ovation. And I was just like, yeah, they knew. They didn't do anything, but they knew. He's like, yeah, they knew. And so this is what Billy's doing now. Billy, Billy runs, it's called Community Mentor Scholarship. Him and like three other guys who were raised just like them in a neighborhood right next to our church. Nobody to help them. They figured out how to get through college. They didn't know what they were doing, but they made it. So Billy's in the Army Reserves now, and he runs the, the local Boys and Girls Club of America. But he, he started this nonprofit called Community Mentor Scholarship, where, where he finds kids just like him who don't have anybody in their corner, and, and he finds out what their dreams are. They want to go to school. He gets them a laptop. He gets them a tablet. He gives them a $500 scholarship, and, uh, and he mentors them through the process of getting into school, of, of taking care of FAFSA so you can get financial aid, which is, which is a nightmare. But not only that, he prepares them and says, man, it's not like high school. Nobody's going to call you and say, hey, you got to register for classes. You'll get one email, and if you don't respond, they forget about you. They're not making you register for class. Nobody's holding your hand through this. You got to lead yourself. He didn't know. They had to figure that out. 
But that's what he does now. And, and why I'm telling you all this is I read that verse that we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. The thing that gives Billy, the, the, the thing that, that, that gives him clout, the thing that gives Billy credibility to go into the Win Academy and talk to these kids is what he's been through. Now, when he was in the middle of it, he was crying out to God going, God, I just want to eat. God, help me get through this. But now that he's on the other side of it, because of what his life looked like, because of the pain, because of the suffering, because of the hardships, because of the trials, he now has a platform to speak into lives. It's crazy. I'm a pastor. I can't go into a public school and talk about Jesus. Billy can go into a public school and say whatever he wants and nobody cares because they're just blown away by a story. So we're in the middle of pain and, and suffering and a trial and we think, God, where are you? And we get mad at God. And when you come out on the other end of that, you look and go, God, you were preparing me for the purpose that you created me for. I am your workmanship. You allowed me to go through the fire and through the furnace so that I could be a person who helps other people who are exactly where I was when I, when I was their age. They'll listen to me. They won't listen to me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a privileged white dude that ain't, that ain't lived that life. I don't have that credibility. Billy walks up in there and everybody can relate. Everybody in the room that he's talking to can relate to his story because they're kind of in the same boat. Maybe have one parent at home. A lot of them don't even have that. They're being raised by auntie so-and-so who's got 10 other kids living in the house. Somebody, somebody's trying to make it happen, but nobody's getting well taken care of. They know what that's like. But because of what Billy went through, now Billy has a huge platform. He can walk into any school in our county and say whatever he wants to say because he's got a name. The teachers respect him. The teachers know him. And the kids, most of all, will listen to him and go, dude, that's, that's my life. What you just described is my life. And I, and I read this verse, and this is all that I think of. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works. And sometimes you got some scars from your past, and those scars have kept you, they've kept you from moving forward. In fact, they've made you, they've made you pissed at God for some of you. They made you mad at God upset. And I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to be rushed to said that, but I, I said that, I apologize. But they make you upset with God. And, and have you ever thought for a second, God actually does deeply, deeply love you and, and has extended his mercy to you. And he wants to take the hurts and the pains and the trials of your life. And he wants to mold you and make you into a Billy Sparks through the, through the things that you've gone through and been through. Or the things that you will go through in your future. God's grace not only provides you with what you need. It transforms you into what? He created you to become. Let's pray. God, we love you. Father, we, we don't know the future. We don't know why. We don't always get the answers we want. 
But God, as we read your word, can we just be reminded that you love us, that you paid a a steep and heavy price to pay the penalty for our sins. And Lord, when things don't go our way, God, can we look to you and instead of being upset or instead of whining or complaining, can we just look to you and go, God, what are you teaching me? How are you preparing me? How are, how are you using me? Lord, I trust that you love me. I trust that you've shown your mercy and your grace towards me. So Lord, grow me in this season. Grow me in my future. God, I expect that it will be a path of, of suffering and a path of pain. But God, when that does come, may my faith not falter. God, I pray for these students. I pray for the conversations that we're about to have in small group time. And Lord, I just ask that you would move mightily in those conversations. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.